Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment Podcast with the team at Mach 1 Financial Group. The Mach 1 Market Moment Podcast starts now. Time for another Mach 1 Market Moment. Walter Storholt here alongside Matt Walters, Retirement Income Planning Specialist at Mach 1 Financial Group. This week, serving you in the Northwest Arkansas area, find us online at mock-1financial.com. That's mock-1financial.com. Matt, great to talk to you once again. How's life treating you? Yeah, Walter, it's going well, staying busy, just trying to stay out of the heat as much as possible. (laughs) Well, that's always the answer uh, that we want to hear, staying cool and that things are going well. And uh, yeah, hang on for just a little bit longer. I'm sure cooler days will be uh, here before you know it, and you'll be wishing it was warm outside again. Isn't that how it always works? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right Right now, I'll, I'll take a little breeze, though. So Absolutely. Well, coming up on this edition of the Mach 1 Market Moment, it's one of our mailbag editions of the program where we answer some of your questions right here on the show. And we're looking forward to a couple of good ones this week from Barry, Danica, and August, as uh, we'll get a lot of different topics covered here over the next few moments. Let's kick it off with Barry's question. By the way, if you want to submit a question to be featured on a future show, you can do that on the website, mock-1financial.com. Barry is in Rogers, and he says, Matt, I feel pretty good about the amount that we have here in savings relative to the income that we're going to actually need in retirement. However, I'm worried about nursing home costs and don't really have a good feel for how to plan for that. What is your normal approach? Yeah, very excellent question. This is a common question that a lot of people have as they start getting older, closer to retirement. Maybe their parents have gone through some type of nursing home or assisted living situation. So very common question, a very good question. Something that we want to make sure that we're getting ahead of. So something that we're planning for well before we really start to have the serious conversations of maybe actually needing it or needing to use the insurance that maybe we have for it or put in place the plan that we have put together for that. So definitely a very good question, something that I I recommend people ask on sooner rather than later. So our typical approach is just to look at the entire situation. So we want to make sure first and foremost that your idea and your plan for retirement from a lifestyle and income standpoint is is met. So do you have what you need to pay the bills to you know, walk out of the house on a day-to-day basis in retirement knowing that the basic financial needs are taken care of? Once we know those needs have been met and that we've done the planning needed to take care of those needs, then then the question starts to become, okay, do we have enough money to pay for a long-term care insurance policy? Do we have enough money to maybe leave someone a legacy or an inheritance? So those are the questions that we start walking through with our clients. And if some of those questions or the answers to some of those questions start to check off as a yes, you know, maybe it is yes, you know, I'd like to leave my kids X amount of money. Well, we look at what you have and look at the, the, the risk in terms of like a long-term care, nursing home, assisted living type situation. And oftentimes one of the ways to help ensure that there's money left to leave is by purchasing long-term care insurance. So we protect our personal assets in the event of a nursing home or assisted living situation. Maybe there's not necessarily someone specific or an organization or church that we want to leave money to, but we just want to make sure we have control over our nursing home or long-term care situation if we end up in that position. 
we don't want to rely on Medicaid, for example. So oftentimes what happens is someone might not have the assets to pay for long-term care or they don't have, you know, an insurance policy or a plan in place to take care of that. So what ends up happening is they have to go through the Medicaid qualification process, which is fine. It's, you know, a lot of people have to do that. And there are plenty of decent facilities out there that provide those types of services, but you lose a lot of the control in terms of the care and the, and the specific facility that you could be at if you have to go through the Medicaid qualification process. So if someone has the assets, I know, Barry, you said that you feel like you have a pretty good handle on your retirement and you feel good about the savings that you have. So, you know, for someone like yourself, we would sit down and see, okay, is there a small portion of what you have from a savings and retirement standpoint? Is there a dollar amount that we could kind of peel off the income producing side of the retirement process and put that towards a long-term care insurance policy to help protect that need. And that would essentially give you the ability to fund a long-term care situation, you know, in the facility of your choosing. So that's kind of the normal approach. We, we, we want to do the standard retirement analysis and making sure everything else is checked off and that the needs are being met. But above and beyond that, if an inheritance is needed or someone wants to leave an inheritance or you know we have more than enough or maybe just enough assets to provide that retirement income then it starts we trickle down to okay what can we afford to use to put towards a long-term care insurance product well it's a really good question i'm sure that you know barry this is something that's on a lot of people's minds right matt i mean this is you're talking about this all the time you're you're meeting with people about it all the time it's kind of top of mind for you guys, even if it isn't for your clients or, you know, for folks that are coming into the office for the first time? Absolutely. Yes. We talk about it, I would say on a weekly basis, multiple times throughout the week. And we actually have, as many of our clients know, maybe the people that aren't clients don't know this, but our clients sure know that we have what we call lunch and learns on a fairly regular basis on various topics that our clients are interested in or have shown interest in. And we We actually have some lunch and learns on the topic of long-term care planned in the coming months. So if that's something that you want to learn more about, if you've thought about this, if maybe you and your spouse have have had this conversation or you've seen this firsthand through friends at church or family members, then I would definitely encourage you to call our office and and just ask when the next lunch and learn on long-term care would be. And we'll, we will definitely get you signed up to, to attend one of those. 479-876-2100 is the number to call. That's 479-876-2100 if you want to find out about some of the upcoming events on long-term care or if there are other topics that you're passionate about or interested in learning more about, uh, you can find out what kinds of events Mach 1 has coming up in the near future. Again, just call 479-876-2100 to get that list of events and to get your name on the calendar to uh, be able to come in and enjoy one of those upcoming conversations. Great question, Barry. Thank you again for submitting your thoughts on the program today. Let's transition to a great question here from Danica. Danica is in Bentonville. And Danica says, I've heard differing theories about the idea of using life insurance as an investment. Matt, what's your take? Yeah, Danica, great question. This is something that that I have actually studied quite a bit and looked at, just various uses and ways life insurance can be used and has been used. And the first thing we want to keep in mind, Danica, is life insurance is not an investment. Okay. So as I'm sure many of the listeners know, I'm sure there are probably quite a few that don't know as well, but there are a couple different types of life insurance. 
products out there. So you have your basic term life insurance, which is just my analogy is it's like renting a home. You pay a set amount for a set period of time. And at the end of that date or that period, that benefit is gone. So the term life insurance is the cheapest way to get our life insurance coverage that we need. But it's also just the most basic form in that it, it eventually expires um, and provides no other benefits. And then there are the, the permanent types of policies that I believe Danica would be referring to, maybe that she's heard about or heard someone talk to her about and teach her about would be the permanent type of life insurance product. So there might be a whole life policy or index universal or variable universal. There's quite a few different options and products available. And oftentimes these can be sold as an investment type product. But what I like to make sure people understand is that life insurance is life insurance. So that's that's the reason we need to be purchasing the product is for life insurance needs. Some of these permanent products provide some sort of savings feature or investment feature. And I would say it's just based on the situation. My approach, to be honest, Walter, is with a lot of these products that are out there, if they've been in the marketplace for 10, 20, 30 plus years, there is probably a need and a fit for that particular product. It probably wouldn't be even be an option if it didn't make sense in certain situations. So that's kind of what we want to keep in mind. Number one, life insurance is not an investment, so we don't want to look at it as an investment. And number two is if we are using a more permanent type of life insurance product, what are we using it for? What is the goal of that of that life insurance policy? And it very well could make sense to own a permanent life insurance product, but it's only if we're achieving a very specific purpose or goal with that product because I know lots, oftentimes these products can be oversold and you know sometimes recommended as an investment type vehicle and it would be my opinion would be that that would be overusing those types of products if there wasn't a specific goal or purpose in mind so many different products Matt you're right on on target it sounds like there so many different products fall into that same kind of category of you know, it's going to depend on one, your situation, but two, remembering that we need to have purpose for our different dollars and for our money. I think that's huge. And so many people don't view their finances that way. It's just a collection of investments or a collection of dollars at your disposal. But when you start assigning purpose to those funds and to those dollars, just really changes the game. And uh, I think it's a really good question that you asked, Danica, specifically in this case about life insurance. Thank you for sending that in. Uh, again, you can submit your questions online by going to mock-onefinancial.com. Listen to past podcasts on the website. You can also uh, submit your questions and find out more great information about the Mock One team. That's mock-onefinancial.com. All right, Matt Walters, we have one more question for you this week on the mailbag. This one comes to us from August in Springdale. August says, my buddy says I should only be willing to work with a fee-only advisor. As to not show my ignorance on the topic, I nodded and agreed at the moment. But honestly, I'm not sure what fee-only means. What is it, and is he right that it's the best kind of financial advisor? Yeah, August, excellent question. And I think this is something that our industry, the financial industry, has started to evolve and change here over the last five or ten years. And so just to kind of start with the basics here, a fee-only advisor, which is what we are here at Mach 1, is someone who, when it comes to your assets and the, the money that your advisor is managing or that particular advisor is managing, they're charging you a flat fee 
based on the, the amount of assets that you have with that advisor. So as a quick example, say you have you know $100,000 with somebody, they would charge you a flat percentage fee on that $100,000. And even as that $100,000 grew to say $200,000, you would still continue to pay a flat fee on that dollar amount. An advisor who is not fee only is also going to be getting paid commissions based off of certain transactions. Okay, so it's important to keep in mind that a lot of times an advisor who's making transactional type commissions is also being paid a flat fee of some degree, but they're charging you an upfront cost for getting in that investment. So an example is if you have a A share, so a mutual fund that charges a, let's just use a 5%, for example, a 5% front load, that would mean if you put $100,000 in that mutual fund, that advisor would get a 5% commission on the front end. Okay, so you're essentially, you're not investing $100,000, you're investing $95,000. And then you're getting paid, you're also paying some type of, probably paying some type of flat fee annually above and beyond that. So I just want to explain the basics of what a fee-only advisor means. And again, it boils down to the situation. If you, For someone who is not going to be doing very many transactions, then maybe a an advisor who charges commissions on the front end could potentially make sense in the right situation. But for anyone who's going to have any type of strategy in place, who's going to be trading and have investment strategies that are being managed, then my personal opinion that I think a fee-only advisors can make a lot of sense because you you have the same common goal as your advisor. As your funds grow, not only do you do better, but your advisor does better. And there's no incentive to just simply make transactions or trades to create another type of you know commission. It's just whatever we need to do to help the account balance grow. So that's the difference between the two types of advisors and the two compensation structures and uh, my opinion on you know what might make the most sense a majority of the time so i think it's uh just some great questions on the show today and we thank you for sending these in barry danica and august really helpful uh to kind of get these different perspectives certainly and uh what's the first appointment look like if somebody hasn't been through the planning process with you and the mock one team before matt what's that first appointment and that conversation look like and how do you help people kind of check all these different boxes yeah so the first step is you know we always want to get to know the client so we sit down get to know the client get to know their goals and objectives and look at start kind of rolling up our sleeves and looking at the overall situation, the financial situation. So once we get everything on paper and take an inventory of what assets and income and goals and priorities look like for that particular client, then we get back together and start implementing a strategy. So we make our recommendations. Our clients give us feedback on whether or not those make sense for them and if they understand everything and if they feel confident that what we've recommended will help them ultimately achieve what they're trying to achieve. And then we get back together for the most likely in the third meeting and what we call the implementation meeting. So we start putting that plan in place and implementing those various strategies to achieve whatever the desired goals or outcomes might be. And then as all of our clients know, we, we stay in touch with everybody and we meet with them. We offer quarterly reviews. So one of our 
value adds is that we try to do a better job than our competitors in just staying in touch with our clients, meeting them with them on a regular basis. So we're constantly reaching out every quarter to our clients and reviewing and updating and potentially changing the various strategies and plans that we've put in place. So that's kind of the one, two, three steps for when we meet with somebody new and what it would look like to get started with Mach 1. It's an easy process to start. All you have to do is begin the conversation. And if you haven't done that before, this is what you do. You pick up the phone and you call 479-876-2100. That's 479-876-2100. And just ask the Mach 1 team for a financial review of your situation. 479-876-2100, your number to call. Or always online at mach-1financial.com. For Matt Walters, I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Advisory services offered through Fusion Capital Management, which is registered as an investment advisor with the SEC and only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission and does not imply that the advisor has achieved a particular level of skill or ability. Please consult your financial advisor as many financial and insurance products have associated fees. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss.